maybe introduce yourself for the people listening live on the podcast who uh, may not have heard of you. Um, yeah, maybe we'll start there, I think. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, originally, I was, I was making, like, gaming content on YouTube. That's, like, where I guess I started off in uh, 2012. Um, then I did that for, like, maybe five, six years. Um, and I saw, like, a lot of success with that. Um, and then I went to uh, university, got a degree in finance. Um, I bought the Bitcoin top in 2017. And then I lost all my money. And then in 2020, I kind of revisited uh, crypto um, and I guess got into the whole NFT space. Um and then really fell in love with like Solana and, and the Solana space because um, I was pretty early to that ecosystem. Um, and yeah, I guess now I kind of just transform my Twitter into like a full-time, I guess, like CT influencer, if you would, you know, categorize it as that. Yeah. Was your account built initially on that YouTube uh, success? Because yeah. I saw you had that channel. It has like 90K subscribers, which isn't yeah. a small amount. Yeah, so originally, I mean, I used to have 100. It's just inactive for the last, like, six years. Um, but, yeah, that was what it was originally built off of. And I had um, – I already had, like, a, a decent amount of Twitter followers at that point as well. Um, but, I mean, I was pretty inactive from, you know, let's say from 2018 to 2020. Like, no tweets, no engagement, nothing. So I kind of just, like, like – you know, revive this account <laughs> at that point. Never sold, you know, I've had many DMs during that time asking me to like sell my account, um, asking me, asking to like buy it out. And I was just like, it's just not worth it. What sort of offers do people make for an account like yours then? Well, to be honest, the offers were kind of like ridiculously low. I was like, dude, like what the fuck is this? So I was getting offers for like anywhere between like three and 10 K. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Why would I ever take these offers? Um, but yeah, is it, I don't know. Is, is this, uh, this YouTube account, have you ever been tempted to start again? Like start doing gaming content again? I, I guess a little bit. Here's the thing with YouTube though, is one, it's very time consuming. Like if I had a team, maybe like I would always edit my videos and that would be very, very time consuming. You know, it'd be fun to make them, but then the end editing process would take one or two hours, which sucks. Um, so, I mean, it's like, it's like I said, it's fun. It's just time consuming. The other thing is that um, you kind of have to spend a lot of hours gaming because that's what the channel is built around. Um, so if I were to do like, you know, make another channel, it would be centered probably more around crypto because I don't necessarily play as many games as much as I used to. Um, but if I did, I mean, if I had like, you know, I would maybe do like streaming or Twitch or like kick. <laughs> yeah. Twitch is, well, I, I was going to say Twitch is like the new thing, but actually loads of people seem to be moving off of that recently. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of that. I've just seen bits and bobs of that on the timeline, but did you, did you ever get partnered with like getting paid through YouTube when you were doing it with that amount of subs? Yeah, but it was, yeah, but it was really like small amounts of money. It was nothing significant. And and what actually made you start that channel in the first place? Was it like stereotypical sort of young young guy wants to start a YouTube channel? Like I, I think I probably started YouTube channels when I was younger, but they obviously never went anywhere. But um, is that sort of why you started that? Yeah, it was kind of just um, 
I guess, a passion, and I kind of just ran with it. Like, I was just, like, going for, like, montage clips and more, like, really cool types of gameplay. And um, I kind of just posted them, and it, you know, gained a lot of traction over the years. Yeah, man, I was watching a couple of them, and it was just, like, pure nostalgia, like Black Ops 2, Black Ops, all that. Oh, man, yeah. I love those those good days. I feel like it's, like, before I grew up, <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's good, it's good yeah, memories no. for sure. Maybe we should just hop For back sure. and see what it's like. Just uh, play a few games. Do you do you play at all now? Like just you know off of that. Maybe like I don't know, like once in like a blue moon. The problem is, is like trying to find a lobby that's like decent connection. <laughs> I feel like that's like the hardest thing. So I know that there's like new variations of like like Modern Warfare Two. There's like IWX or something, where it's like a revamped version of Modern Warfare Two. Um, and there's like, you can find like lobbies there comfortably, but unlike the original, like old Call of Duties, I feel like it's really hard to find a lobby. And if you were to find a lobby, it would be like nowhere in your like range. Like if you're from Europe, you probably find a lobby from like North America, let's say, and your connection would just be, would just be shitty. Yeah. I also feel like the new ones kind of fell off a bit. Like uh, I would only really want to play Modern Warfare 2. Uh, maybe some of the like maybe the original black ops i don't know the the new ones started falling off as i was as i was like ending playing so many games as For well sure if the new one did fall off I, I would absolutely agree with you yeah it's it's, it's uh i like talking about it because it's just like nostalgia but um and, and you said you ended that to go to uni what were you studying and what were you getting up to at uni yeah i, I studied finance um and that was honestly like I guess I learned a, a decent amount. I just don't think like a lot of it is relevant, especially now and in, even in crypto. Um, I think like value investing is dead. Um, what What do you mean by like, that? Think, like, like you can no longer just diversify your portfolio, put it all to I don't know indexes, um, wait forty years and be rich, or not necessarily rich, but like well off. What do you what do you think the alternative is then if if that's dead? Because I don't know, like yeah, I, I'm not so clued into stocks and in that as I am crypto. So you know, yeah, why so is I it think, dead? I think you kind of have to take a lot of concentrated bets. Like I don't know, this, the way I think is like you're not going to change your life with like ten to like fifty grand, let's say, for example. So like your life is going to stay the same. Yeah, it might get a little more comfortable. You might have a little more money in the bank, but like. At the end of the day, your lifestyle probably won't change. Um, so generally, like I would say to take more concentrated bets and have more conviction in like a few different things. Um, like they always say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, but I would disagree, especially if you have like small amounts of money. Because like if you have, let's say, I don't know, let's say your portfolio is less than 10, 10 grand. And you just buy indexes, which are like relatively safer than whatever. I mean, if you can even buy like bonds or like the problem is like you're you're gonna get like such small percent returns yearly. Like nobody wants to be sixty and like like kind of well off. It's like your life is almost over by then. Like you got to get rich like before thirty or like before forty. <laughs> yeah, people. It's definitely changed. I think like the, the that's just my mindset. mindset. I mean, people. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, you know, people rave about 
getting like 7% yearly returns. And I guess if you have like huge size, then that's like a big deal. You know, if I'm, if I'm trading with, if my portfolio is like, you know, five plus million dollars and I'm getting 7% returns comfortably without, uh, you know, with minimal risk, then it's fine. But if I'm doing that with, you know, let's say 10 grand, like who cares? You know what I mean? Like, would you would you not say crypto could have possibly warped your uh, your mindset a bit though? Because obviously the gains in crypto is is so much different and so much bigger. No, absolutely, absolutely. But I I was also trading options prior to this. Like, I would I would trade options um, and a couple you know derivatives on the stock market, which I got burned a lot. Like I I mean I did well. So I was pretty I swung a lot to be honest. Like I I had like really successful days and then really bad days. Um, and I wasn't consi- consistent, but I guess in crypto, I'm more consistent. Um, are, you a, but, are you a trader in crypto? Or you, did you like hodl your, your bags? Are you investing for like long-term or not? Yeah, I'm not that great of a, like a day trader. I've been working on it, but um, I more or less, I guess, make conviction plays. You know, like buy something, hold for X period of time, um, and then look for like, you know, outsized gains like i don't know could be like three to ten to twenty x let's say for example or i'll hold to zero sometimes that happens yeah man that happens a lot more than i'd like it to happen anyway (laughs) in my experience (laughs) it's like uh all right how did you get into like the web3 space from from you know doing this youtube stuff who introduced you to it uh you know was it someone in uni or did you just come across it like you say you're doing options trading it may well have just led into it Yeah, so I was just kind of, like, while I was doing options trading, I was just kind of, like, uh, I guess, browsing through Twitter, like, through the whole, like, AMC and GME craze. And there's a lot of overlap between that and, um, I guess, people that were into crypto. And um, I guess I just started following some people on CT. And then over time, I just kind of, like, I don't know, made friends in the Web3 space. And then... Um, I guess like in 2021, like NFT started to pop off. So I like, I, I was minting like a lot of NFTs in the summer of 2021, which were like early enough to mint anything and make money on it, but also like early enough to, I guess, ride the wave up with everyone that's like coming into the space. Cause it was getting flooded at that point. You know, when, like you ever see when spaces or uh, certain sectors in crypto have like a parabolic run, um, similar ordinals or BRC twenties are right now, and how like daily active users are just like getting exponentially bigger by month. That was kind of what was happening. I feel like in the summer of twenty twenty one with NFTs. Yeah, there was definitely that hype was was definitely really strong back then. Uh, it's it's always a slightly different story, like because I saw it, For but sure. I wasn't I was into crypto shit coins at the time uh, more than NFTs. Uh, I kind of just entered the NFT space like quite late, I would argue, um, versus that that sort of massive bit of hype that that was going around. Um, I say this on other episodes actually. Yeah. I was never never that big into NFTs versus tokens myself um but yeah i know i know what you're saying and it's it's like i guess yeah like the bitcoin ordinals is, is similar you get these like small niches where the hype kick starts again 
And uh, I guess that's what you get when people sort of think, oh, this this is going to kickstart the next cycle, that's going to kickstart the next bull run or whatever. Yeah, it, it very it very well made because the other thing is that like Bitcoin just has so much money in general. Like that's it's like it doesn't necessarily have an ecosystem beyond not that I know of beyond like the coin itself. And there's like die hard like people will die on like the fact that Bitcoin could be the world reserve currency and like you know can replace all fiat. I don't know if it can. I think it. I think it has to coexist with fiat. That's me personally. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's just a, so much money in, you know, that ordinals ecosystem that, and it's still so young. So I feel like, um, there, I feel like it, it's something here to stay. I don't think it's like a fad. That's just going to be like, all right, the next two months will be like popping off and then it'll die off. I think it'll be like, it's like a thing that's going to stay. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's, it's, there's so much talk about it recently, especially in the last like sort of two months month month or so um and you are right as well i think bitcoin itself you get all the maxis who are a lot of them probably don't like it actually they probably don't like the idea of all sure. yeah some of them don't like because it. That's a, they, that's they die true. on the hill of saying you know bitcoin is it's just digital gold that is the that is it full stop um and but then at the same time i think if you don't get stuff like ordinals happening i don't know would, would it just become stale like i don't know if bitcoin could, could become stale i guess but it's just something. It's just like a different niche of it. It's a different part of it that it can't be negative because it can only really bring more people into the space. I I would imagine. Um, are you overall bullish on ordinals? Right. Then sort of. Yeah. Yes, I think I think to be honest, for the most part, um, sometimes there comes like parts of the cycle where you can mint or buy, like, I would, let's just say mint, and it would be a successful mint. Like it would mint out. And you could you could flip it for, um, you know, above mint price uh, directly after mint, or you could hold it, you know, you know, chill with the community, whatever you want to do. But I think like most things, although they could be some things could be low quality projects, um, for the most part, I think like a lot of things are just worth minting, especially if they're like on rare sats. That's what people are like raving over. Yeah, see, I'm still like I'm still learning about ordinals uh, myself. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I'm not a tech guy. I'm just I follow liquidity a lot. Like if like you know if something's popping off, I'm gonna be like, all right, like time to pay attention to this. Yeah, like you're uh, sorry, following like, the trends that are happening. Exactly. Yeah, because if you're, I mean, like you might as well be early to them. Like, what at some like you know what I mean? Like if. Everybody in the timeline is talking about meme coins, for example, or they're talking about ordinals. Like I remember in February, January or February time, people were talking about ordinals, but I was like, I didn't bother to like even make a an ordinals, you know, a BRC twenty wallet. Like I was, it it didn't like I didn't really care so much. But then I saw like a lot of, I guess, hype behind upcoming projects, and also even people growing their twitters like a lot and i saw a huge surge of, of people and i was like dude like i gotta get involved somehow because there's so much liquidity flowing and this is like the next thing yeah and there's no reason you should you should be like i don't want to catch the next train i don't know no no it makes sense i think like there's something to be said for people who can also spot these things early like spot the, the way it's trending early 
obviously that's how you start right. winning isn't it and a lot, of, a lot of people get burnt overall in all of this stuff by catching it late and thinking it's um well uh, you say i say late but i mean like i guess if it's here to stay it's just uh yeah relatively yeah i mean late, you can yeah. still catch the top of things i suppose that's the issue um let, let me ask you iced as well are you full-time like web3 or do you work outside of this so yeah this is this is just what i do full-time um but yeah i mean i don't i'm not like actively looking for something for like you know another thing i don't have like any i guess stable income if you would say but um i wouldn't be opposed to it it just can't get in the way of like what else like everything else i do so um because you've got uh obviously you've got like a pro- sort of project right dumbass donkeys you still working on that or yeah so th- uh the donkeys were a freemint that i put out let's say in september of last year and i've been i fronted like all the money for the art and um the launch pad and uh we minted for, we self-launched and we minted it for free so like i didn't do any marketing for it i just kind of like said like mint these if you if you like them and then i i opened up a discord we kind of just did like a lot of community raids we like collected whitelist spots for a bunch of um like good projects um we did a couple of um like poker tournaments and gave away like solana we built donkey swap which is kind of like i was trying to get other uh other projects to whitelist donkey swap and adopt it and because what it does is you kind of just like put your nft in pay a small fee and then you're you're and then it spits out a random nft in i guess um the what's it called i guess in the wallet that's that you're spinning on so I, I would put like 200 donkeys in there. You could put your floor donkey in there and get like a rare one in return, right? And pay like 50 cents, let's say, for example. So I was trying to get that adopted by like a couple of other, um, you know, like decent sized projects. So one, it would be like a decent like revenue stream for donkeys. And then also um, make, the, I guess, the brand more well-known. Um, and then we also had like PFP staking, which I would give out like donkey XP cause I didn't want to do an SPL token. Cause at that point it's like, I don't know, dodgy. I didn't want any like legal problems with that. Um, but the problem with that was like, I didn't have necessarily the funds to be like, all right, we're going to, um, give out like these incredible prizes. So that was what I was struggling with. Then, um, we just kind of, I guess, <laughs> ran out of funds. So, I mean, it, in the beginning, I never promised anything. I just tried to do the best by them, and uh, you know, it was kind of it was an art project to begin with. It was a passion project to begin with. So yeah, and what? So what's the position? Where, where, the word, is yeah. it is it just sort of on the, the side? Of it now is just yeah. The position of it now is like it's just it's just a PFP, pretty much. Is there, is there plans, any plans sort of moving forward to do any more with it? Or is it just, um, that's it really? You just, it's, I mean, you know, it's just, that's it. I mean, if there's like, yeah, if there's like something that could, 
we could potentially spark up like that would make sense for it like not to just like like i could easily come tomorrow and be like all right we're gonna do an ordinals mint you know like because because many projects have done that i just i'm not interested in being like and doing like uh one diluting it or changing what i had i guess originally planned unless it's like something that i think would benefit everyone um but what's the point of doing another mint if like the first one wasn't so successful do you know what i mean like yeah i think as well considering it was a free mint that you don't there's nothing to really worry about because there's no um expectation i suppose uh, at least in my head should you have you know right that's the that's the way i structured it too like when i when i had uh minted them i put out a thread and i was like don't like there's no there's nothing attached to this right like mint it if you like the art and that's it and that was where I left it. So similarly to like, if you were to buy an art project, um, it, I feel like it would be the same concept and anything added would be a bonus, right? If there was anything added. Yeah, for sure. It makes sense to me, to be fair. Um, I just wanted to see where that was at. So that was, yeah, that was the whole like concept. I mean, I wish it had been more successful. I just think like one, I don't like when you run out of funds for something, it's just kind of like, I can't be pouring time and effort into something that's just not working or successful. And that also is, is like costing money. Do you know what I mean? Like I've thought this to myself, like this you point, know, how do projects deal with stuff like that? Cause if you're a business say in web two and let's say you're a shop, right. right and you run out of money, you just close down, you, you close right. down shop. If an NFT project runs out of money, I feel like they're kind of stuck still. Like you can't just close down shop. You know what I mean? No, understood. It's well if you it depends if you raise funds or not, right? Like here's here's the way I look at it. Every NFT project, one, when when somebody mints an NFT project, you're taking a very like you're taking a risk, right? You're not guaranteed equity in this company. You're not you're not guaranteed anything. So you're just kind of there hoping that whatever the the team produces can I guess in turn make the floor price go up. That's pretty much what you're hoping, but nothing intrinsically is going to make the floor price go up. It's, it's very much heavily reliant on marketing and like future, almost like future promise in a way. Right. And that, and that kind of ties into like hype, right? Like sustained hype, or you could have like historical value, right? Like things that are like first to a chain that are like original, like punks on ETH. That's like, you know, the biggest example I could give or Solana monkey business on um, Solana. Um, but essentially that's pretty much what you're hoping for. Unless it's like a rev share that promises or has like a token attached, which has all types of legal problems, right? Um, you're kind of just like in this middle ground where you, you're not equity, but you're upset if you lose money on it. And you're pretty much just hoping that the founders just built something that I guess everyone uses or everyone sees or everybody, I don't want to say utility because like utility is very minimal. Um, but they kind of just have to sit and wait there and hope the floor price goes up. And that's like the, that's like generally what people are minting NFTs for. Very few people are like, yeah, I'm going to join this community. One, the community like just started and you're probably already 
a part of 15 others. So you're probably not going to be a very active member. A lot of the times, especially the new, newer mints, like you're kind of just mint, mint, minting to flip something. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to your question, um, what does, you know, what does the NFT project do if they run out of funds and they just, you know, as a normal, if they were a normal company, they would just close shop, right? I think if they made a genuine effort, like a genuine conscious effort to deliver on whatever they promised to deliver and they either failed or ran out of funds in the process, I think like you can hold your head up high and say, you know, look, we don't have enough funds for this. We tried our best. Like there's nothing more we can do at this point. Like we, like we can't pay developers any, any further. We tried X, Y, and Z. It didn't work. There's nothing more you can necessarily do or ask of that, I guess, company or the NFT project in general, because everything, I guess, revolves around money and time. And if you don't have, you don't have those resources, and you run out of them, like how, how else are you just going to keep going? You're going to raise more funds somehow. You need to do a second mint. Nobody's going to give you that because you couldn't deliver on the first one. You don't necessarily get a second chance like that. Yeah, and I think I think the projects that are purely PFP projects are the ones that would suffer with um, the ability to, well, basically, I guess, running out of funds if they have no external way to make money. I, I suppose some projects have external means or they're trying to have external means to make the profit that then I guess can, can keep them afloat. Um, but, but, but overall, so, I mean, overall now, are you, are you going to say that your project is effectively done? Um, that's that. And that's, I guess, I guess you could probably say yeah. that it's more like, it's more like it's just a piece of like, I guess, my journey but also like everybody who took part in it and it's more just like a historical pfp at this yeah. point in cool. my opinion. i just wanted to clear it up just i was curious because i'd seen it um and I, I figured it was a question i you know uh, people would probably have wanted to hear so thank you for answering it so yeah, um, no honestly i appreciate that um c can i slightly change the uh change the tone now i'm going to ask you about your 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 account actually we we touched on it earlier sure obviously you started this pre uh crypt, you know before you're into crypto um but you've got obviously a big following now uh how have you gone about growing your following so so large on here uh, since being in web3 and also like is there any tips you could give people um who are looking to do the same yeah so that's a good question um so generally, I would, one, always talk about trending topics, and two, like, make sure to always tweet, like, funny stuff, like, comedic stuff. Because, like, a lot of times, people are making money, markets are up and down, it's very emotional, and if you provide some type of relief on the timeline, right, and that could, a lot of times it can be through comedy, um, that can go a long way, and people will, like, will actually like you for that, if that makes sense. Um, it's, I guess it's like a little like es escapism, right? Or if, especially if it's tied to crypto. So that way you create kind of this connection because you kind of laugh over the same thing, right? You have the same sense of humor. People laugh at it. They, they give you a follow because it's like you don't necessarily have to give alpha, right? That's another way you can get followers, right? If you have really good alpha, really good calls. And um, 
you know, you're, you have a good track record and you're successful. Um, another way is to get a lot of followers, like to be rich and just like sweet projects. Um, and like actually do it right. I've seen a lot of whales do this and they get a lot of followers and engagement through that because everyone knows they're rich and they can pump anyone's bags at anyone's at, at, at any moment. Um, and I've seen that a lot too. Um, and beyond that, just like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, but be active, right? Like you can't go days at a time without tweeting, uh, reply to big accounts. Like a lot of times people would just reply to Elon Musk. And if you're the first to reply and, um, a lot of people, let's say like the tweet or reply to your reply, then your tweet kind of gets boosted and it gets pushed for, it gets pushed further up. I guess on Elon's tweet. So it'll get a lot more impressions and views. So if you have notifications on for like a lot of big people that, you know, like get big impressions and engagement, you should try to reply to them as soon as possible, but also try to like say something funny or have like an, something insightful to say. Don't just be like, wow, like, <laughs> or like something like that. Sometimes I do that because like whatever, but it's, it's probably not gonna get you any followers. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, also, quickly, just saying, uh, big old thunderstorms rolled in here, so if, if anything drops out, that would be why, but hopefully it doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, just FYI. Anyway, yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, thank you for those tips. That's that's helpful. What, what are your thoughts on like tw attending Twitter spaces and uh, getting your voice? Do you do that a lot? Do you, do you hop on as many as you can? I know a lot of people are um, big advocates of that. Yeah, I used, to, I used to, like, more often. I just think... It's, it can definitely be time consuming. Um, and I would also, I would, you know, I would always just like start spaces, especially in like late 2021, early 2022, I would just start spaces like sporadically whenever I felt like it. Um, and it would just be something, you know, spontaneous, or if there was like a trending topic I would want to talk about, I just like shoot on a space and we just start talking and that would be it. Um, but I realized like if you want if you really want to be a successful spaces host, you have to do this like every single day from like the same times. Um, no matter the view, whether it's like two viewers or a thousand. Um, and it just felt like it was too time consuming without like getting any sponsors or getting anything right of beyond just like the engagement value, I feel like you want to ideally get some type of compensation for it. Like just having like a sponsor for the show, for example, right? Like many big podcasts always do this. Um, and it's a great way to just get a source of revenue while you're spending, let's say a few hours a day, either planning this, recording it, uploading it to all media outlets. Um, especially if you do it daily, like I said, um, ideally you'd want some type of, you know, compensation for it. And I don't, you know, I would, I would say if you don't have that, it's hard to do it uh, consistently. Yeah. And that's just like, I guess you're doing it for the, to begin with, you'll tend to tend to do these things for the love of it. Right. I guess uh, building into right. that. Yeah. That's generally how things, yeah, that's generally how things start out, but eventually, right. If you, you know, if you're doing this for, a long period of time, you're going to start to think to yourself, well, is it really worth like all this time that an effort I'm putting in or should I, 
you know, focus my time and effort on something else. Although I do love whatever, right? Like you always want to turn your passion to a job. That's great. But sometimes it doesn't always work out. Yeah. I'm always worried that people uh, give up too soon though, especially now. I feel like people have become a bit soft. Um, I say that like I'm old. I'm not that old, but I just feel like people are, I mean, I posted about this earlier. Like I was looking through people I was following and there's so many people who've just vanished or openly sort of said, I've had enough of this. I'm leaving the space, whatnot. Um, and I think people just—I don't know—I think people might give up too soon these days. I don't know if that's just me being a bit, <laughs> a bit mean, but um, that's what I feel like at least. Yeah, and it's definitely possible. I think some people can be short-sighted and they can be like, "Damn, this isn't working out. Let me move on to the next thing." But if that's the case, if they give up too soon, then maybe it wasn't their passion after all. Maybe they tried it out. They're like, "Damn, this is a lot of work and effort. I'm not so." confident on the mic or i'm not as fluent as i want to be in my conversation um and maybe they realize that maybe they aren't as talented right like you also have to be talented at it it's hard to speak for, like consistently and, and create conversation for long periods of time it's a skill set i feel like yeah i, I yeah I, I would agree i would also say that like myself because I'm, I'm still learning in this space like like it says up top your episode 28 right so i started doing this in december prior to this i hadn't spoken in front of um you know any crowds of people i actually suffered with quite bad anxiety a lot of my life so it, it was always a, a big different sort of thing for me um and i do think there's something to be said for just practice like even if someone's not overtly talented at speaking Practice and preparation help a lot, right? Especially in a, a Twitter space where you can be prepared. You know, no one knows if you've got a notepad or not. I, I personally use a notepad because I, exactly. I jot stuff down people say so I don't forget. Because like, I feel like one of my weaknesses is just my memory is just poor. I feel like I forget if someone's mentioned something earlier. <laughs> but like, but people don't have to know that. Like, If I hadn't have said this, no one would know. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I don't know. I think people, given enough time and and to be honest, most people in this space are nice enough to not just openly rinse you if you're, you know, if you stutter or trip over a word or or say like too many times. You know what I mean? Um, right. I yeah, I think if people really want to do something like that, um, they should, they should just give it a go. Honestly, like I, I, that's how I feel now, um, having done it. Like if I listen back to my initial ones, I, I sound so much different. Like my my voice is so much more like. I don't know. I'd say like robotic. I was I stick into a like a set thing of questions. I was like, okay, I can't veer off, and and now I'm a lot more open to just general conversation. If that makes sense, so it, it may sound like a little thing, but it's just like I don't know. I don't know. It just I just like I like the idea of people not giving up. Anyway, that's that's how I feel, um, in a roundabout way. <laughs> um, if I were to ask you, Iced, actually, uh, uh, speaking about spaces and stuff. Is there anyone you're like a, a fan of in this space who maybe does run spaces or produces content on Twitter that you're, you know, that you do like, and you would say is sort of someone you not aspire to be, but someone you, you, you know, you think is, uh, is good for the space. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in terms of like Twitter spaces, I honestly don't attend as often uh, as I would like to. Um, but every time I would, I would join, I guess like somebody like leap, I think he's uh, very insightful, very respectful, uh, you know, handles and conducts himself very well. Um, and I guess controls the room, not like, not like overly controls it, but like, you know, when things get too spicy, he, you know, he calms things down. And when things are too boring, he spice, you know, he turns the volume up. So 
Um, I think he's really good at controlling the room. Like I said, respectful and and gives insight. Um, and I think those are just like three main qualities of a spaces host. You kind of just like have to learn to to get. Yeah, I need to contact Leap at some point. I've I've seen his spaces before, so he. Uh, he there's there's so many talented people in the space, though. So it's hard to choose. Um, from that, you know, every single day there's someone else doing a space, and uh, there's so many people who I don't realize run spaces just because of time zones and stuff. And then I catch the back end of them, and, and I'm like, oh, you know, this is there's there's basically an abundance of space content on Twitter at the moment. Um, but there's so many talented people, I think it's it's hard to listen to them all. Um, but if, if I were to ask you, I this, you know, what have you got? Um, what am I saying this year? If I were to ask you what goals you had for this year, geez, tripping over words like mad there. What goals do you have uh, for this year, Iced? That's what I was getting at. Jeez. Come on, man. Oh, that's a good question. I should really, you know, like as a side note, I always read like how writing down your goals makes you a lot more likely to actually achieve them. But I never really, I, never, I don't really even think about my goals. I kind of just like put my foot on the gas and just like stay consistent and show up every day and just try to um one try to just like make money but also like morally and ethically and then i guess make as many connects as possible like valuable connections um I, and i also i feel like just being a yes man in general like just like how you invited me to the show i would just be like sure you know what i mean like not not decline as many things as I would like to just be like, okay, yes, to like a lot of things. And it kind of just like fills up your schedule. So you're just kind of like, let's just, let's just, you know, just go for it, I guess. Um, but in terms of goals, um, shoot, I would, I would say I'll make it modest, but like, I guess achievable. Um, let's go for, I guess, 300 K followers at the, by the end of the year. Um, I do want to start streaming on like kick a little bit, maybe like do like a couple of gaming streams here and there, or like could just be like lifestyle or even like gambling or like, I don't know anything like I feel like is fun. Bring back the ice um, YouTube channel, bro. Or just, just stream on kick though. I, that might be a stretch. That might be a stretch, but I, I would say, I feel like. The thing about the YouTube channel is kind of just like it's set in stone. It's like had it come up and all the videos there are more from like, I guess, my childhood. And I don't know. I kind of just don't want to touch it because it feels like it's done, like it's whole in a way. Like I've had closure to it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, you could always just, I mean, if you go streaming on kick or whatnot, you could basically sort of do it again, but in a way that doesn't effectively taint what you've done in the past. That is like a relic of, yeah, like it's like your history, right? Isn't it? It's sort of your come up. Yeah, it's, it's nostalgic for me a lot. It's very nostalgic. That's why, I, like, I've never deleted videos or took down my channel or, you know, unlisted them, whatever, et cetera. Like, a lot of other old YouTubers have, and they don't leave up their videos for past subscribers or past viewers or even themselves to go and rewatch them, which I think is a mistake. Just like, just leave it there. 
and it's just like a part of who yeah, you are. Yeah, I think people come to regret it. It's, it's something you can show, like it sounds kind of crazy, but if you ever have kids or whatnot, you can show them because this is like a thing that never existed. You know, none of our prep parents were, you know Not what I mean? Sure. So it's like when you're older, the ability to show them what you were doing when you were however old you were, but quite young, it's just crazy. It's, it's, so, it's so different as well. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're doing the right thing yeah. leaving them up. Um, gonna gonna change subject again iced and i'm gonna say well i'm gonna ask you really if you can tell the story about your pfp because i want i wanted you to tell me what happened what happened to the monkey man so i i actually minted this monkey um the day of mint sometime in august i think it was like august 3rd august 4th of 2021 um like i said during that summer there was a lot of great great um nft mints and this was my first uh, mint on Solana. And this was super early. Like there was very little NFT infrastructure. There was like one or two Solana marketplaces that were like fighting for market share. And then um, Solana monkey business came out with this mint. And like at this point, there's like, th there's like four NFTs on Solana, like four NFT collections, literally. Um, so SMBs come out with this mint. It takes like three to four hours to mint out. It was a slow mint. And I just ended up minting a bunch of these monkeys. Didn't know anything of it. I was just kind of playing around at the time. Um, I, it was a two-soul mint. I probably spent a little less than 20-soul minting monkeys. And I just kind of held that PFP. That was like the nicest monkey I had. So I kind of just held that PFP for... A long time i made it my pfp on twitter probably a few weeks later um and i just held it ever since and then the monkeys just started to blow up and then the creation of the monkey dow happened and th through the monkey dow um a lot of people were just running with um monkeys in general like it was just going parabolic at at, at certain points uh, especially after like the gen 2 marketplace came out so SMBs used to have their own like marketplace. They they didn't get listed on any other, um, you know, like a Magic Eden or Solana or anything at the time. Magic Eden didn't even exist, by the way. So it was just like Solana and like Digitalized. Those are like the two earlier um, NFT marketplaces. But SMBs just made their own marketplace. And prior to that, people were just OTCing in Discord which I was doing a little bit too. I was like flipping monkeys for like one sole profit, just like playing around, um, buying and selling, like pretty much arb arbitraging <laughs> or middlemanning for the most part. Um, so I kind of just held that PFP, like I said, the, the alien monkey for probably, I think it was a year and a half before I finally sold it for 2,069 sold which at the time was, I think sold was like $15, so just about this price. And that was like one of my only 1,000x trades <laughs> from 2 to 2,000 sold. That's, that's crazy. And yeah, and then shortly after, like pretty much shortly after, I got tagged in a tweet. Well, first I got tagged in a sales spot because you know how like the NFTs have the sales spots? So I would get tagged in the sales bot. And I'm like, oh shit, like this is probably a fake one because I've been tagged in fake ones before. So I get tagged in the sales bot. I'm thinking it's fake for the first like 30 seconds. And then I'm, I check the Twitter and I'm like, oh shit, this is a real Twitter. Like it actually sold. Like that's crazy. 
and then I start, you know, and then my notifications start to blow up. Um, and then I get a tweet from Lollipop and he says like, let it be known Lollipop executed ice knife. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what does this even mean? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even understand what he had done, but, but I understood he, he was the one who bought the monkey. So a few minutes later, I'm reading the comments and they're like, holy fuck. Like you burned it. Like what the fuck? And everyone's just going crazy about it. And that was like the entire buzz for like, not only that day, but like for the week, because it was such a crazy experience for everyone, not only for myself, but for everyone else to watch and be like, damn, this guy spent 2000 soul, um, buying my PFP and then immediately burning it after. Right. So nobody even owns the PFP anymore. It's like no one's PFP. And I still use it because it was like my, my face and brand is a derivative of it. Right. Like my PFP right now. Um, but yeah, it's not like I'm, I guess the the argument I make is it's not like I'm using anybody else's PFP. It's the same if I, if I were to use like a Pepe, right. That I would find on Google at this point, because it's, it's no longer part of the collection and nobody owns that. Yeah. Can I ask if, if you saw it as your brand and your, um, you know, you, you, you felt like it was part of your brand, what made you sell it in the first place? Just because of the just obviously because of the money like this this is the issue i think when people have the emotional connection to uh something that's worth so much i guess it's a hard argument to have in your head for sure i think you know having a brand is super important i don't think it's above anything though right like if i just felt like the solana solana was so cheap at that point right and it still is um that 2000 soul or x amount of soul would go a way longer would would just I guess outperform most things to the point where I felt like it would be worth it. And it's not like I listed it like I said at four. It's it was like it was a hefty buy for the collection. Um it was like, you know, eight to ten times floor price. More than yeah, like ten times floor price, let's say. Um so it wasn't you know, it definitely wasn't a small sale. And I decided to do that because um, one, I think Solana would outperform, um, SMBs in general through the next cycle. And two, I wanted the liquidity at the time because that was like peak bear. And even like, I, I this is what I think, even if you have like five to 10 K during, like during the first, whatever cycle you're going through through a bull run, 30K can go a long, long way. Like I started with maybe 15 to 20K in, in the, you know, in the first cycle that I had and I did really well. And like, I didn't, I, it, it wasn't a lot of money. It's just like the money I had to invest. So I'm thinking like this could really be, this could multiply like exponentially if I had that liquidity at the peak uh, bear market. And that was my thought process. Yeah, and and also another question. Sorry, in regards to this PFP that got burnt, was there bad blood to cause it? You know, to cause Lollipop to want to burn it? No. Well, to be honest, I had no relationship with Lollipop. I didn't really know who he was. Um, I may or may not have been following him prior, but I never like had a formal interaction with him. 
I kind of, we kind of just spoke after the fact and he's like, he asked me if I was mad about it. I'm like, no, why would I be mad? Like I list, like I listed my monkey. Like there's no reason for me to be mad. I listed it and got sold. Like <laughs> I should have asked if he that. was mad at spending that much to just burn it. Yeah. I don't know if he regrets it or not. Um, I haven't spoken to him since probably a few days after that. And this happened in November of last year. So it's been a while since then, but I don't know that you'd probably have to ask him. I'm not sure if he does or not, but he's done it with a bunch of other SMBs as well. He's probably spent well above 100K just like burning NFTs. I think that's so pointless, man. Like it's for the meme, I guess, kind of, but uh, to have that money, you might as well use it for something legitimate, you know? I personally, yeah, I personally would, would never do that, but you know, everyone is entitled to like, whatever they spent their money on. A lot of people were like, damn, why don't you give that to charity? Or like, why don't you do X, Y, and Z with it? But like, can't tell anyone to do what you can't tell anyone what they can and can't do with their money. Yeah, you can't, you can't, but you can still comment on the fact that geez, man, a hundred K on just burning people. You could have, <laughs> you could have done anything. So many good things with that. But I mean, that's just my opinion. And to be honest, if, if someone's got that much money to spend, then they could probably buy me. You know what right. I mean? That's another thing, right? Like if Jeff Bezos comes out and says, I'm going to donate, 500k to i don't know some like hospital people are gonna be like damn like that's it 500k like one of the richest men in the world all you're gonna donate is 500k and you know they'll find a way to you know attack him over the donation which is ridiculous people also are really quick to forget in this space like (laughs) you could do something great and people will forget about it in a day or a week and you know you do one little mistake after that and you'll be on the cancel list you know what i mean so it's uh it is, it is something to be said for, for make, making sure what you're doing. We, basically, people, just don't spend 100K to burn NFTs. That's all I want to say. Um, let, let me ask you as well. How come you hate Cardano? Why, why are you their number one hater, bro? Come on. So Cardano just – it's kind of – I guess it's really at its core. It's just a meme. But, I mean, they had, they had their ADA token for so long and didn't even have, like – a working layer one until like I guess many years after their token release which was just like a meme like how could you just have like such a high market cap coin that didn't have any infrastructure or anything built at all right it was just built on promises that just never delivered and then like eventually when the chain came out it was like it was nothing nothing powerful at all like like there, there are plenty of layer ones like Cardano. Solana, at, on the other hand, right, is unique because of how fast and how cheap it is, and how, how like how many TPS they do. And I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a tech guy, but like all the tech guys always tell me, like Solana is like the chain for like even for like micro like microtransactions. Or doing, you know, or staking on staking my NFT for pennies, or not even that, right? It's like virtually free. So, like the feeless, the almost feeless transactions are just like what sets it apart, and the, and the TPS. Um, but then when you have something like I don't know, even like Avax and like Cardano and like all those types of chains, they just they're just not. They don't really solve for anything. It's just kind of like they're kind of like all the same stuff. In, in a way, in my opinion, right? Like the user experience is very similar on like, let's say Polygon or like Cardano or stuff like that. 
because you still pay like a decent amount in fees. And if the, if the chain gets clogged, you pay higher fees. Um, and then like, it's just kind of like the same problem Ethereum has. Right. And if the chain gets, starts to get, you know, too busy and the fees start getting too high and exponential, it's kind of, I guess, defeating. Right. Yeah. And if I were to ask you then in, you know, uh, opposite to your least favorite thing, which is Cardano, then what are your, what are your top three sort of projects? You like Solana, clearly Solana, Maxi, I would, I would argue. Um, I don't think you would deny that. Um, what else are you sort of bullish on? Um, I really like ETH and I really like, I, I mean, I don't necessarily like ETH. I just think it's going to go up. I probably, I think it's going to hit 10 K. Uh, probably by next cycle. Um, and I know everyone was like memeing that uh, last cycle when it was like at four, eight or like four and a half people were like, yeah, it's going to 10 K. But I also think ETH has so much already built on it and all the infrastructure there. And there's so many developers that it's going to be very hard for crypto to exist without Ethereum at like at any point in the near future. So I think Ethereum would be like a safer bet. Um, but I would probably just like anchor my portfolio with Bitcoin, ETH and Solana and keep it simple. If you'd want to do something like that. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, a lot of people are not so bullish on Solana, but um, there's definitely a big group of people that still are. That's uh, true. I also really like Arbitrum as a layer two, like more than any other layer two on ETH. Um, yeah, I, I can't say I've, I, I, some of these new chains I haven't so much um, looked into, uh, but I, I just know what happened with Solana and FTX and that sort of stuff. And well, I can understand why people were hesitant on it now. And I think I saw they, they still own a large percentage of it, don't they? Um, which is just untouched. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's very unfortunate what happened. And obviously like, I feel like this could have happened to any other coin, right? If FTX hadn't had, you know, seed investments in whoever else, um, it could have happened to anybody, right? And nobody could have foreseen this coming. Um, but yeah, I guess they have their, you know, they're in a very tough spot now because FTX holds a very large portion of the Solana supply. And I guess we don't, it's kind of up in the air of what's going to happen with that. And that fear is just kind of holding people to sell off. And then obviously with the SEC just saying this is a security and all that type of stuff. Man, do not get me started on the SEC. They do my head in, man. And I'm not even from America, but it just affects me as well. It affects everyone's everyone's bags, right? So For sure, yeah. It's annoying to see. We'll make that the last uh, the last little question here, actually, and then we'll, we'll get to wrapping it up. What are, what are your thoughts on sort of the long-term regulations that we're facing and these possible issues with the SEC and you know, Gary Ginzer getting his nose and everything? Um, what are your thoughts? You know, how does this end? I think it's all short-term noise. I think in the end, you can't really stop anything that's really going on in the crypto space. Like it's been the wild west forever, and I don't think that'll ever change. Like, yeah, you can bring some regulation on maybe like what, where you can buy the coins in certain areas of the world, but ev- like eventually, you just you, you're not gonna be able to stop something like this. You know, it's always gonna exist. Um, so I think it's all short-term noise. Um, 
And, you know, I would say to just buy whenever you feel like it's an attractive price. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm hoping it's short-term noise. I mean, realistically, if it isn't and they keep pushing it, then it's not going to be good news for anyone. But yeah. you would like to think it would be short-term. Yeah, and short, when, when I say short-term, that can mean, you know, that could be six months to a year, for example. I'm not saying – I'm saying when I'm – like relatively, right? Um, but long-term, like one year, two years plus, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement. I think I'm in that camp. I think it could be an issue. I'm hoping by the next sort of, well, when the next cycle is meant to happen, if you follow sort of four-year cycle right. rules, um, 2024, late sort of 2024, 2025-ish. Uh, Whatever I'm thinking, the next Bitcoin having is. Yeah, I think it's next year at some point, And then the tops normally meant to be around, you know, the end of 2025 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think should that, time come around and, and other stuff in the macros ended like the you know like the war and all this stuff maybe it maybe stuff will be in a better place i don't know right um Hopefully. that's what we're hoping for that's what we're all hoping for here um is there anything else you'd like to cover before I, before i wrap this up uh no i think i think we're good i appreciate you having me on appreciate you taking the time um and yeah it was a good time yeah, no, it was good. It was interesting. It was interesting to speak to you. I've uh, followed you for a bit. I've actually well, I've seen you on on Twitter on, on my old account, like <laughs> like last year before I was actually on this one. So uh, you, you get get around, man. Your name gets around. But um, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate your time coming on. Uh, everyone listening live, if you don't know who I am, you probably don't. Let's be honest. Um, I host this podcast pretty regularly. I would say weekly, but I'm doing like four in a weekend. So uh, they all get uploaded to Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen to podcasts. So do just click the link that I, I posted above and it was, it's a link tree. It will just take you whichever you know podcast platform you use the most. Um, go and follow the podcast there. There's some previous episodes of some really good people. Um, and I got some more lined up in the, in the future as well. And I cover crypto projects and also I speak to individuals as well, like like we did today with with uh, Ice Knife. So, um, yeah. And that being said, Ice, tell tell the people who are listening on the podcast where they can find you as well. Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest, I kind of just <laughs> just Twitter is probably the best. At Ice Knife is probably the best way to just follow me. Um, any other social medias, I kind of just don't use or don't have. So, just just Twitter at Ice Knife is good. Great, lovely stuff. And uh, I thank you again, Ice. Thank you to everyone who was listening live. Like I say, please do follow me. Do follow the uh, podcast as well. And uh, thank you very much again, Ice. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Take See care. You, man.